This is Melancholy Geek, episode 15, Can't Control Z in Real Life. Welcome to Melancholy Geek, where you get the thoughts and opinions of a geek living with depression. My name is Preston, and this week I have another guest because, well, that works. It's fun, and I get to talk to people, and they get to talk, which means I don't have to talk all the time, which is seemingly better. Uh, today, I have a colleague and a fellow geek, because I could break any non-geeks into this show, because that'd be crazy. Um, Should have probably asked what the best way to say about her. She's, uh, she's a fan of linguistics, board games for sure, and uh, all-around lovely lady. So, um, say hello, Bridget. Hello. Oh, you, just, you missed a perfect opportunity to be ridiculously funny <laughs> and hello, say hello, Bridget. Bridget. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I'm just not that kind of geek every time, so, you know, there you go. Well, oh well, what can you do? Oh well. Um, so Bridget, you're definitely a geek, so, uh, mm-hmm. like... What kind of geek am let, I? Let, yeah, let's let's get a general idea. What's what's your geekiness of choice? Well, I think I might be a little bit different than your average geek in that I don't necessarily fall into kind of the same pop culture tropes that a lot of people do with their geekdom in terms of the... Um, sci-fi fantasy things i definitely do i think uh like a lot of those things and have gotten into them more as an adult sure um but as a a young burgeoning geek really didn't like to associate with the term because i found it um really wasn't the kind of stuff i was into i was more into like um classic theater and literature (laughs) and obscure you know sound uh modulation music from like the new wave 80s stuff that i found in my dad's cassette collection in the basement and yeah so i kind of i think fancied myself a little more individual than uh than i was in that sense but uh so a sub geek yeah sub geek and so you know (laughs) While I am a big fan of um, role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder and stuff now, I really rejected that as a young teen because I um, didn't want to kind of be uh, painted as somebody that at the time I referred to as um, aggressively geeky. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and, and in, in like a negative sense because there were certain people I think definitely I um, could have been lumped in with and interacted with a lot who were very um <clears throat> defined by their um alternative geekdom or like they're in being a geek versus like a you know popular jock or whatever yeah the and, common folk yeah and <laughs> the common folk the plebes um <laughs> and uh and i think a lot of people at that time you know being a teenager and that kind of thing um really pushed hard um socially with a lot of those things and i didn't like that i kind of wanted to be happy and get along with everybody um while recognizing that what i did was something that nobody else that or very few people that i knew was into um so you strive for uniqueness yeah well at that i don't think i was working towards uniqueness i just always gravitated towards something that nobody else seemed to like (laughs) and that's and i think that's probably how a lot of us were depending on how we grew up yeah realistically because i'm similarly i just did what i liked yeah. And then eventually just ignored the, the everybody else, the norms, even though normal is a bad word. Yeah. Well, I think um, in the early part of my childhood, I, before my 
um, father started a second family. So before I got my brother and sister, mm. I did grow up as a young child, as an only child, and kind of spent a lot of time doing my own thing. And both of my parents are pretty big hippies when you get to know them. And uh, so they're not hippies when you don't get to know them. Well, I think they could. <laughs> I think uh, you know, from the outside, they might not totally look like that fair enough um but uh you know in terms of the way they like to live their lives and the um definitely the like kind of philosophies i grew up with was do your own thing and you know be good to yourself and other people and that kind of stuff but um definitely didn't need to adhere to any kind of social norms (laughs) um within our house uh for any of that kind of stuff that's good yeah because who needs social norms right (laughs) only people trying to fit in with the rest of society sometimes yeah well that's a whole nother episode probably (laughs) um so regretfully um in the world that i live you also have um depression that you've had for some time to my knowledge i don't haven't foolishly taken the time to get the details but um when and or how did you first find out well i think um like i had a difficult um early childhood at times uh kind of tumultuous with a kind of pretty standard i think story that a lot of people have you know with parents splitting up and Mm -hmm. as i mentioned i was an only child so i think i had a lot of um isolated moments um definitely psychologically isolated moments whether or not it was you know, actually being isolated. I think I kept a lot of company a lot of the time. That's always something I've always known to be a positive thing for me. But um, uh, I think I definitely started feeling a lot of those things as a young, pretty young teen, or not a young teen, but a young child. And then through my teenage years, it kind of became a bit more cute. Um, I started going through therapy as a young child associated with my parents' separation and court proceedings and those kinds of things. Um, I don't think it's a secret amongst most people that my parents had a a difficult separation. Um, it was long and there, I definitely feel that that weighed a lot on me. Um, hmm? as As it it would. would, Yeah. And I think as it would with anybody. And I think... Uh, as a kid, though, you you kind of uh, you don't know how to you don't know how to forgive you, your own emotions or contextualize them, and um, you don't always know how to place them. So I think sometimes I didn't ask for help, or didn't really express myself um, when I should have, sure. which I think probably could have you know maybe affected um, degrees of severity of the way I felt at different times. Um, and I don't think that that would be something that would be unfamiliar to most people who have experiencing any kind of depression or acute emotional states, mm-hmm. um, good or bad. Um, that kind of thing, I guess, particularly bad in this context, but yeah, well, especially um, as a child. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you don't really know what you're feeling at that age. Um, but I did go through therapy and I would talk, you know, I went through a lot of the healthy channels for a long time. Um, it got a bit worse as I was a younger teen and it was something I went through therapy for until <clears throat> I was in my late teens. Um, and I think I really only stopped going to active uh, psychotherapy or not psychotherapy, but 
you know, clinical therapy, however it may be aimed at. Um, Really, when I finished high school and for a year or two, I think I still was going to the same therapist. But then she unfortunately developed a health um, problem that made her have to um, step back from her practice. Sure. And so I kind of didn't, I, I felt I was in a pretty good place at that point. And uh, so I didn't seek to go to another specialist or any of those kinds of things. And I kind of fell through the system a little bit at that point. Um, <clears throat> you know, not by anyone's design and not necessarily um, preventably. Because yeah, um, I kind of, yeah, because I kind of stepped back too. And so um, my mental health kind of definitely paid the price a little bit. And then my early 20s, when I think is not uncommon for people to experience different um, changes in their mental health as well. And I definitely um, started to experience a lot more of the anxiety that I now deal with uh, a bit more prevalently than depression, I would say. Um, but I think the two things are definitely related for me. Yeah, and they seem to be more often than not. It's not something I don't think that I have in a large sense. I certainly mm. get those situations where the depression is active and whatever situation I am breaks out of a whole bunch of anxiety, but it's not as common for myself. But that's, and that's, yeah. but that's part of the reason why we're here is to get different perspectives. Mm-hmm, yeah, well, and I think um, with me, sometimes it, like I would definitely say like what I am currently, um, you know, taking medication for is it's an antidepressant and anti-anxiolytic. So mm-hmm. it's something that helps with both. And it's, you know, a common SSRI for people to be taking. And it's something that for me, I work with my physician to find a really good dosage. And sure. um, it's taken a while, but it's something that I feel now has kind of helped me get through um, something that I feel that like you've mentioned in the past, that kind of... Um, motivational issue that a lot of people with depression deal with mm-hmm. and that I find kind of overlaps with my anxiety to a degree um, is that like ability to um, get ahead of the wall of thought um, that you experience trying to motivate yourself or get around a problem in your life or get through something you're working through mm-hmm. um, that that's something that I have had good success with medication helping is that ability to get up off the couch and actually get start to get your life like go through the motions that all of a sudden then reach the goal that you were incapable of feeling that you were going to get to before that's good yeah yeah it's uh, yeah motivation is is my probably my biggest differentiator speaking words um Mm. but yeah different thing than that that comes from depression outside of the obvious uh, mood problems yeah this is my biggest problem which personally i have found to be the bane of my progress when it comes to medication because um, as i'm sure you have found it over your years if you Mm -hmm. don't consistently take medication it's worthless because you're just like and now your uh, emotional problems are like three times worse in your waves of uh, horrible feelings so um that has been my problem with it personally because you you screw up once which is too easy for me Mm. in my in my state and it just is chaotic well and i think sometimes that's part of the difficulty of being in like a kind of 
socially restricted society in terms of talking about mental health and how to manage things. So mm-hmm. I think if your condition was, oh, I have this weird knee condition, but your standard treatment of just taking a pill once a day is not really working for me because I find that difficult to adhere to. Some would be like, oh, well, let's try this other alternative medicine thing or let's try a lot this more... other hey, hey, that, yeah. like, you know, and, but because we don't have necessarily the same kind of openness around, I think, even treatment mm-hmm. and talking about how to treat mental health, um, I think can be really challenging for people too, because I think I am a believer in that there's a difference between people who have um like a mental health disease or something that's chronic and people who have episodes of mental health crisis mm-hmm. or issues through their life because i think everybody can have a crisis oh sure whether or not they suffer any kind of chronic condition yeah um because it's environmental because there's a weird hormonal episode in their life whatever happens um or they could go through a brief period of depression whether it be for a month or a year mm-hmm. even if they're not prone to it prior or after you know, I think that those things are way more likely and are happening to people, but they don't necessarily know how to articulate that. Or, mm. you know, I think everybody understands that, like, after, a, you know, a very close loved one passes away, you go through a serious Definitely. grieving period. And I think society is very open to those kinds of things. But is that not not a form of mild depression for that's acutely associated with an environmental condition you know like... sure and and i think and I, I actually talked to this with uh, georgia from last week we this this is the type of situation where it's it's like you have a series of feelings and emotions because of a situation and mm-hmm. it makes sense so mm-hmm. when my father passed away no one would expect me to feel numb about it about or, it, or happy <laughs> they would expect me to be you know not feeling the appropriate and yeah in my situation they i think expected me to feel exceptionally uh stuff so they're very careful about it however i pulled my own for a whole week and got through it just fine mm-hmm. um, i was more concerned about my mother but mm-hmm. when people that don't go through this these feelings try to think about the concept of okay nothing happened but i feel horrible and try to understand that mm-hmm. that is very difficult yeah and i think that's that's the toughest part about depression and, and, and other mental illness when, when you're trying to ex- explain to someone, um, oh, I didn't eat yesterday. Well, why didn't you eat yesterday? Because my mind wouldn't let me get off the couch, get out of the bed, whatever. Yeah. And people were like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm no. like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, and and I don't think people who are in the depths of depression when it's, can, you know, and I think that that's not an uncommon symptom that people no. have. Um not. Other people would find that ludicrous, like how, but of course you were hungry. Of course I was hungry. I felt yeah. hungry, but I couldn't get up. It was easier to stay in bed. I experienced it. I think it's ludicrous. Yeah. And I, I mean, I go, I've gone through the same thing. Like yeah. sometimes just like getting out of bed is more difficult mentally than just staying in bed and being hungry. Yeah. And uh, I, I joked about this actually when I, with friends, when I went backpacking through Australia when I was 19. I sure, sure. bring up yeah. the one place in the world that I actually want to go to. <laughs> um, I was there for four months and I was like just about the only the, the two real basic emotions that I really discovered about myself. Like, that was the first time I'd been 
not the I've had to take care of myself before then. I'd been at home alone for a couple of weeks or those kinds of things when parent went on a vacation sure. as a teenager, or whatever. But for an extended period of time to have to completely occupy my day from start to finish with anything that I, I like I had to make my whole agenda. Mm-hmm. Nobody had any demands on my time and I had to be able to do everything for myself, um, which was mentally exhausting sometimes. Um, Only sometimes? Yeah, well, you get used to it. You developed tricks. Sure, just thinking about that makes me mentally exhausted. Yeah, well, and and that was the thing. I didn't really think about those things before I went down. I didn't realize that, oh, maybe that that could be something that could affect how you feel. Like, those were not things that, you know, I think were areas of concern. And now I didn't experience any really negative things. But definitely in the mornings it was like the old, it's like am i more tired or am i more hungry those are the two things competing for <laughs> for your actual motivation that hungry. was right quarter exhaustion the really I, big uh, big uh, motivating factors so of your life end up being sleep i'm not sure <laughs> I, uh, backpacking through australia is the best place to find that out <laughs> no no probably not but um that was a big takeaway i was like well i'm definitely wired by these two emotions and probably like other people you'd be like you could see them pop out of bed in the morning and just be like oh got stuff to do yeah, and I'd yeah. be like mm, okay well i guess i should do something i've come across way halfway across the world i should probably make yeah. the most of it <laughs> walk not stay here wait for the no the the very aggressive taipan to come and bite you because that would be amazing that's true but the uh the good thing about australia is that there's no lack of vitamin d so oh well yeah it was (laughs) yeah it was very easy to feel good about going what time of year was it i was there in their fall ironically like in their fall and early part of winter but it was still incredibly yeah depending where you were sunny every day so I my I stayed with my aunt uh, who lives there for the first few weeks that I was there first like three and a half weeks, um, and she lives an hour and a half north of Brisbane uh, mm-hmm. on the Sunshine Coast in a place called Noosa. She was just outside of Noosa Heads, and um, I traveled from there to Tasmania, and then I went to Melbourne. And then I went from Melbourne through the Great Ocean Road to Adelaide. Uh, and I was there Easter weekend. Hmm. And everything was closed because Adelaide, as it turns out, is quite churchy. And But they also happen to be the place that has all the chocolate factories in Australia. Or maybe not all, but they have a lot like the home big, you know, their Cadbury's equivalent is like. Based out of Melbourne. Adelaide. Adelaide. um, You were in Melbourne. Yeah, and it was quite churchy, so like everything was shut all weekend, including Easter Monday. So you couldn't buy Easter chocolate if you didn't already have it, but then it was all on sale on Tuesday. So I profited from that (laughs) considerably as a backpacker. You don't get any argument out of me. I don't celebrate any of this stuff, and I'll take advantage of it. Yeah. Any second a day after easter where i can buy a whole lot of cadbury mini eggs yeah mini eggs are pretty bomb yeah yeah and um yeah and then i traveled i want mini eggs uh to um perth then from adelaide and then to sydney and then back up to bundaberg a little bit further north from where my aunt lives and then back down to where she lives i did some scuba diving too there from the southern part of the Great Barrier Reef, which is pretty cool. Um, 
things I will never do as much as that would be interesting. Mm. There's too many amazing reptiles in Australia for me to not want to go. We'll never say never. I, you know what? Oh, I can I, say never. You could say never. I, w- I will graciously accept the circumstance that will allow me to go to to Australia and uh, you know get to see some of these reptiles in their natural mm-hmm. habitat and not die from it. Um, mm. Yeah, but eh, who knows? Oh, well, and for all the um, and it turns out so of the fifteen most poisonous. Venomous, thank you. No, what I was going to say... Um, Although, yeah, no, there could be poisonous. There could be poisonous, too. But, Depends um, what you're talking about, sorry. Yeah, no, but venomous snakes, but also venomous spiders mm-hmm. that live in the world. It's something like 12 out of 15 and 15 out of 15 live in Australia. Um, but while I was there, I surprisingly... Like, I everywhere I went, I was nerve-wracked. Because well, sure. in Newfoundland, even more dramatically than the rest of Canada even more dramatically than the rest of North America, there is nothing that is even poisonous, <laughs> you need, uh, let alone venomous here. So Yeah, no, we're, we're pretty lacking on the uh, poison and venom. When it, or it's certainly indigenous. Yes, indi- yeah, well, in terms of indigenous. No, to anyone, so. do not bring any of these creatures. Yes, we like to keep our, our, uh, our, our <laughs> island free of poisonous and venomous things. However... I was everywhere I went. I asked, like, what is the particular like spider of the region that I need to look out for? Because they all have different habits, and it's like when you go to this can, you know, this yeah. town, you need to do this and dump out your shoes here and this that, and the other. But check your shoes before you put them on. Yeah, probably. and uh, the only place that I saw anything was at my aunt's house, who lived in my aunt lives basically in the rainforest, sure. um, and a centipede got in the house one day. A actual, an actual like, massive like, yeah, ridiculous. you know, like eight inch, ten inch long, or whatever it was. I didn't actually see it, so I'm, you know, for color could might might have been smaller. But my <laughs> aunt did. I was sitting reading, I think, on the bed in my room, and my aunt just kind of like popped open the door, and she's like, "Don't come out of your room." And then she shut the door, <laughs> and then like two seconds later, the door popped open, and she was like, "And pick up your feet off, feet off the floor." <laughs> I was like. <laughs> okay and so i waited a little while and i was like um what's going on and she was like uh there has been a centipede spotted in the house your uncle john's dealing with it <laughs> i was like okay and I, he did find it eventually but yeah he was like all kitted out in his wellies and socks and oven mitts and tongs like trying to find the um centipede which are rust colored and mm. my aunt incidentally um is a physiotherapist and has been a professor of physiotherapy for a long time and she had taught physiotherapy on some kind of like extended um rotations in um some really interesting places in the south pacific and pacific um out of australia um like papua new guinea and um also in india and she had these lovely been gifted these lovely lovely silk rugs that are all rust colored oh that's where this went. <laughs> yeah. So it was finding the centipede was the challenge once yes. it was established that it had gained access into the house. But at her house, it was like it was like living in a really interesting place. I saw a monitor lizard and swamp wallabies and kookaburras wrestling giant earthworms out of the ground. And See, that sounds fun. I'm not even like... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the guy who is like, oh, that, look at my cute kitten and dog mm-hmm. and i'm like sure that's a thing <laughs> but you 
throw me like something interesting, more exotic than mm-hmm. that, and I'm interested. Yeah. Well, but there's... yeah, it's just one of those things. But... It's definitely a place to go for that because it's everywhere. But what I found so funny was that all these things, these poisonous, scary things, or venomous things, I was expecting to see. Um, I really didn't. No. Uh, everything there was like it was like being in Alice in Wonderland sometimes. Sure. Because uh, everything was either really, 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 really tiny. Like you'd you'd think you'd, there was like a thread on the countertop, but you look closer and it's a line of ants going to the fruit bowl so they can smell the fruit because you didn't wipe the counter off enough. <laughs> um, or a uh, and then you look outside and the and if you look closely at them, they look exactly the same as our house spiders, like our regular outdoor spiders, like normal sure. standard North American won't hurt you regular old spider eats mosquitoes uh same things there but they because they're in the rainforest and have the ability to get bigger and eat everything they're like the size of your hand which was also really trippy because like and like they have tiny tiny little fangs like so even if it could actually physically bite you it wouldn't really hurt you yeah it might give you like a slight irritation like a wasp sting or something but that would be like the worst yeah, it would be. And they say when it comes to arachnids that the the bigger ones are not to be worried about. It's the wee little it's ones that'll wee... probably take you out. Yeah, it's the wee little right. ones with bright colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bright colors are warning signs. Um, bright colors are warning signs. Mm. That's a good title. Yeah, Keep that in mind. Um, that was interesting. That was an interesting curve. Mm. So outside um, the separation, which obviously was a factor. Mm-hmm. Looking back, do you think there are any signs or or memories that you have to indicate that you may have had like anxiety and depression before that? Definitely. Um, it's kind of funny because this is something that I had talked about, and it was something that like was something discussed with my parents, but it was never ever um, framed in this way, and I still don't know if they would really. Unless I have this discussion explicitly with them, if they would under put that have having put those things together, but I would get these feelings that like my family would call the sooners, where you just like it was generalized anxiety is what it was, mm. where you just feel off because like you feel like you got to do something that something's not right, like you just don't feel good, mm. but like psychologically and it and it has a physical sensation as well. Yeah, sure. Um. But it's generalized anxiety is what it is. And as I got older and uh, started showing kind of more classic symptoms, I guess, of uh, like having um, manic, uh, like episodes where I was actually having like panic attacks, what, you know, would be classically defined that way, Mm -hmm. of which I've been lucky not to have a significant amount in my Mm -hmm. experience with dealing with these things. Um... The first time it happened, it, you know, you have an out-of-body experience and you get really overwhelmed and you have to really exit the situation that you're in. And, um, yeah, I had milder versions of those kinds of things um, as a young person. Uh, I don't think they were triggered. I don't remember any triggers sure. um, necessarily. I do remember having a lot of social anxiety. Um, sometimes I always felt very like I kind of, um, masked, I guess, a lot of what I was feeling because it was never in every situation. And like what you said with kind of, um, everybody's experience with mental health being very individual, I can definitely say that, that I think probably 
people maybe not understanding how mental health can vary so widely. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to talk about it or that you may not need help because it doesn't look exactly what everybody else's looks like. Um, but yeah, I, um, I was somebody who was, when I was with people that I was comfortable around and I always felt very comfortable around adults. Um, I didn't have any problem talking. I was very relaxed. Um, but around my peers, I felt a lot of, um, social anxiety. I was very worried about what people would think of me, um, about what I said and those kinds of things. And when I would be in things like summer camp, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I would wait for people to talk to me. Sure. Um, and which meant that I could sometimes spend weeks alone and did. Mm-hmm. Um, and would beat myself up over it a lot. Um, Any kind, anyone would outside I mean, of a child. Well, and, and while I recognized that it wasn't like, I didn't ever blame other people or think that I was necessarily inferior but i would beat myself up for not being able to um, break my own fear and push past to do what other people were doing because whenever i did i never was met with anything to suggest that i couldn't have done that every day but uh, for whatever reason still felt that really strong hold not to do that uh, until I had a bit of a point, at least with the social anxiety stuff, um, when I was kind of 12 or 13, where I was like, I'm missing out on a lot. I, I, had, a, I had a bit of moment of like mental clarity where mm-hmm. I had a really ability to work through it on my own, I guess, um, to a large degree where now I still feel all those things, um, but I push past them. The pushing past has become part of the routine. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah, and and so like I've done a lot of like, I mean I talked about my geek done there at the beginning where I've done a lot of theater and really into theater and that's not something I guess typically associated with social anxiety. Um, Maybe but, not, but I've I've actually and hell I still have our t-shirts, but like in in high school that's something that the small group of people that I did manage to get along with did mm-hmm. did actually go through and did like their theater arts type stuff and yeah. the drama festival and I did go into that. I didn't do so much. Well, they got along with everything. Um, most of the time, I was kind of behind the scenes handling it's more of the technical stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a fond memory of one theater arts when they went to doing a class and, and our group doing a... Uh, we had to do some stuff based off of different things. So more natural stuff is like a nursery rhyme and a fable and then a current event. Mm-hmm. But the other two were just like, kind of lame you just kind of replicated it whereas the current event someone brought up was uh, something getting left in somebody after surgery mm. which happens mm-hmm. but it just happened to come up and i don't even know because I, I don't i don't think i i don't even remember seeing the movie necessarily in full and i think it was based off a book but uh, prince of tides i want to say it's prince of tides anyway there was a scene in there because they were at a camp and whatnot and they had mm-hmm. their own problems um even be relevant if I think about it but there's a scene where they're doing mock surgery but they're doing it real jokingly and humorly so myself and the team did that kind of stuff so we were like reaching in and finding random stuff whatever we could find to be silly and just throwing around and you know I kind of looked professional where my uh, the friend of also the surgeon had uh, an actual shower cap on like obvious shower cap Mm -hmm. We started off by doing incisions, and it turned out to be a tic-tac-toe board that I had, and yeah. um, had a little mock cell phone 
that I answered and was trying to walk away, having a conversation. Nice. Uh, that that was a fun thing. So that kind of stuff and doing um, as part of the the class, doing more improv stuff, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Whose line of any whose line is in any way probably influenced that a little bit because I'd love that. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's I don't know how completely common that is but we have that in common well, to some degree although yeah. i think you still have more beat on the well i definitely stuff. i definitely think that there were some other, like a lot of other friends i know in through theater and in the theater community at that time and since that deal with a lot of the same things like with sure. mental health and i definitely think sometimes people with mental health are more empathetic or aware of others emotions and i think it definitely depends on the kind of mental health that maybe well, yeah, sure. you experience uh because i definitely think certain kinds of conditions are hallmarked by um being pretty uh, egocentric mm-hmm. but you know and that's part and parcel of those things but um i think people who are you know more sensitive emotionally maybe are then have more access when they are doing things like theater. So, you know, sure. and, and I, and I, and I was not somebody who was on stage all the time either, but I did do a lot of improv and, um, also, um, you know, kind of sketch comedy and those kinds of things through the class programs, as well as the after school clubs and those things too. And it's funny you say the, like the kind of surgery parodies that I, um, I'm a little afraid of birds because let's be real, they're dinosaurs with feathers. Um, and they don't love you back. Uh, Some of them do. Okay. Uh, uh, not, not, but <laughs> definitely not on the, 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 the same plane as, as mammals, as, as mammals do. No, no. Clearly like they have the yes. same type of emotional, you know, because we're mammals too. Yeah. Do I believe people can develop kinships with birds? Yes. Do I believe that they won't murder you if they have the chance? If they have a reason slash chance, instinct will just kick in. Yeah. It's certainly more likely than, than, than your little kitten. Definitely. Definitely. And the fact that they can communicate like cross distances and packs and some types of species of birds are all like weird and like they're weird like you know six cents bullshit <laughs> they're scary too but i digress there was that's this, the kind uh, of stuff that makes me interested in birds yeah i got into to alfred hitchcock um as well, a teen this is where this went. <laughs> yeah i got into alfred hitchcock as a teen and um i'm st- i'm not a big horror person but i do like suspense and though that kind of storytelling where it's horror because of what it's made you feel not because of what you're seeing necessarily yeah well and i i don't like the word horror personally towards the the amount of movies it is when it's just i i associate horror movies mm-hmm. quote unquote uh horror movie um with something that has a little bit more supernatural not just suspenseful right personally not the case because mm-hmm. a good suspense where it's say like a scream mm-hmm. where there's nothing supernatural going around but it's got a lot of jumps and scares and whatnot right compared to that's like a yeah because that's it right where yeah because like it is a horror film whereas like do we really call things like i know what you did last summer do, can we do we now say more something like slasher fic is more yeah yeah sl- yeah which kind maybe which is probably more accurate in terms of yeah. like the expectation of what you're getting in the film so you're right like then that's funny because i don't like to call hitchcock horror even though that's how it was labeled when it came out um but it's definitely more suspense um kind of stuff now I think that's what I, how I would probably refer to it. But uh, I had an, uh, an episode where um, I really, I'm not like afraid of birds. I, I would like to point that out, but I am a little bit afraid of birds. I was a I don't friend like of, birds. No. A friend of <laughs> mine um, 
was uh, her father passed away when we were 13 and it was around Easter Hmm. around this time of year. And uh, my stepmother um, at the time had been, had made a batch of cookies and said, well, here, why don't you take some and bring them over to the family? Um, Cause I think it it was, you know, kind of the wake week. I'm not sure if it was before or after the funeral, like that wasn't the important part of the story. Um, I, my family lives on Bonaventure Avenue in kind of the center town. And uh, this uh, family, my friend, her family home is off the boulevard. So I had to walk around Kitty Bitty Lake to kind of pass it mm. to get there. Pretty normal. Walked down. I got there and I saw all these little ducklings, which were adorable and cute. Um, and I got really excited. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll give them a little piece of this mac- mm. coconut macaroon. That'll be fine. That's not bad for them. Let's see where this is going. Um, and... I was just like starting to like open up the bag of cookies when there were like a bunch of seagulls started to flock around and there's way too many. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get attacked if I like, they haven't been fed in a while. It looks like, <laughs> you know, whatever day in April it was and had many, uh, much, um, stale bread lately. Anyway. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I won't, I won't feed them. Walked across the little footbridge and there were two families of little ducklings and just the little ducklings and only one seagull and no other birds. And so I took a cookie out and started to sprinkle it out. And the one seagull just was like, Wah! and then they all started to fly over and I started to run and they flew with me the whole way up the hill as I ran away from them um, as fast as I could. And they were flying at like head height and like mm-hmm. squeaking at me and it was terrifying so um yeah I, I think i kind of channeled a little bit of that through writing a parody of uh, a bird sketch which we had a lot of fun with which we pulled out stuffed birds and like we basically were behind the set just throwing all the stuffed birds we could find from our own homes <laughs> and valley village over like two weeks before the production <laughs> and uh here we and then we had some students dressed as giant birds to, you know, add Carry to the flair. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was good. I do like birds, but I don't really have anything. I have mm. one. He's definitely not. Definitely. Definitely not scary. But that's a, it's a World of Warcraft thing, so. Mm. Um, so how do you find that uh, your support and or the understanding of your circumstances are from family and friends and how has it been over the years? Well, I think um, it's always been back and forth. Like, I think I've been lucky in that I have a very good, um, loving family who have always been willing to support me through anything Um, in as much that they are um, there for me in in terms of like... um, uh, open uh, to always try and I'm very lucky to have lots of very dear friends who I can lean on emotionally when I haven't had the resource to be able to lean on my family and those kinds of things as well um I've I've always been a champion of needing to take care of my mental health mm-hmm. um there are lots of people in my family who also suffer from different types of mental health conditions and concerns um And it's funny, I've had some exchanges with my cousins in particular as I got older, being like, oof, you know, even if it's not diagnosed in places, I think you definitely start to see, um, 
even people's personality types and traits can definitely, you can start to see family resemblances kind of bleed through that maybe you didn't realize was just the way people are, but you thought was kind of, hmm, because you grew up around it, you didn't realize that it was maybe like every, the way everybody else functions. <laughs> Things like that too. Um, yeah. I think I, you know, like I, but you know, those kinds of things said, I don't think there's any kind of been any issues associated with anybody being um, unaware of their own mental state or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I think probably one of the more difficult things that I've dealt with is that sometimes there's an expectation that um, it's solvable. That uh, you can take your, just like if you take your course of antibiotics and if you go to your physiotherapy for six months mm. and do the appropriate exercises that your knee will get better sure. um so if you do that why you know your brain will get better too right yeah that's the problem yeah brain's a little bit more complex than pretty much everything else in the body yeah well and i think sometimes people um again because we don't have a whole lot of talking about it or um good ways of differentiating language about it we don't talk about um you know, the differentiation sometimes between a mental health episode and a mental health chronic disease or condition. Because mm -hmm. I think, again, the word like a word like disease is something that I mean, I'm not even sure always how comfortable how I should use that around certain kinds of mental health conditions. And yeah, condition, I think I think is condition is a word that covers that a lot more, is more suitable than a disease. Yeah. I think the word disease is used more often when it should be yeah well but if somebody has schizophrenia you know i think we're more comfortable calling something like that kind of condition a disease but do we call depression a disease uh, i hear that less you know yeah because i think it's because you get a situation where d depression can have i don't know it, it's it's something that most people go through a form of it be it mm -hmm. you know it's, it's, it's an emotional or, thing yeah. right so when it comes to emotions everybody has emotions usually mm -hmm. the majority of people like discuss for have emotions for a reason where depression more often than not we we don't have a reason to understand that so it's it's harder to call that a disease where schizophrenia is just it's a lot more focused in the sense that it's just it's different it's yeah, not something it's that everybody experiences yeah. mm -hmm. you know for a reason or not they just don't go through that right it's a different uh bag of symptoms and conditions and yeah yeah so it's a little bit more you know it's 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 easier for people to understand that okay mm -hmm. that's a legitimate issue right whereas that person's feeling bad mm -hmm. i feel bad sometimes why is that a Right, because you feel bad sometimes because you, you know, broke up with your girlfriend or yeah. boyfriend or whomever. Something that's perfectly reasonable. Right. Whereas, I just got home from work. Work was fine. I feel horrible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. I feel like, yeah, yeah. It's the worst day ever. No, and and that's the thing too. So sometimes I think um that can be something that is challenging with my family um that i don't think they always fully appreciate that i'm never going to not be dealing with my mental health in some way will it at least I, in the foreseeable future in the foreseeable future sure you know 
who knows? But but I don't think unless, you know, technology advances to a point where we identify the specific gene, blah, 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 blah. And that you can literally go in and like nuke some sort of genetic code for like anxiety. I don't think I'm ever going to be in a point in my life where it's not going to be something I have to be mindful of or that I'm going to that I can take for granted that the way that I regulate my emotions Mm -hmm. is like the way other people do. Or not even so much that, but going to be received in a way that's not going to upset others. Mm-hmm. And because I think that's a lot of what it comes down to is that anything that anyone expresses in a difficult state of mental what's it is not usually something that isn't understandable by another party in terms of the range of emotion. It's just contextualized in such a way that they can't understand it, yeah. which is reasonable because it's not always logical um or founded in any kind of reason yeah so it can just happen because it's well and it's yeah it's neurons not firing right or whatever the combination of a column b and c and d that you have yeah and so and then and it's that's i think that that's the overall problem as to why we don't seem to get the overall support that we need through um, society, yeah. not just, you know, dealing with family and friends. And I think something I struggle with a bit too, that um, is something that also was not well understood about things like anxiety and depression um, is the irritability mm-hmm. um, kind of aspect of things. I definitely experienced that where I just feel out of sorts, anything could bother me you know you look at me wrong and i will snap at you Mm -hmm. and not because you said anything that deserved that kind of intense emotion not because i intend to do so not because i feel that way but i just um you can get wired that way yeah and um that can sometimes be really challenging to regulate because you that's something I feel I find it harder to see that see myself within that hmm. when that's happening, and you can alienate that's, people really easily that way. Definitely, and it's and it's realistically that's something that the, the same type of things result when people have a you know actual reason to feel snappy or whatever. Exactly, but we just just like someone's playing with the switches yeah and sometimes yeah and sometimes it's just like mm, i haven't eaten in enough time so yeah, yeah. i like th- th- where somebody else might be able to regulate that i'm rubbed so raw emotionally yeah that it doesn't take the same kind of effort to set me off um someone needs a snickers yeah yeah and so like those those channels are real those commercials are real that's a thing that people experience hanger is a real emotion in my life um you just need a sign it's like put on your desk you're like i feel like joe pesci yeah and yeah definitely um (laughs) or betty white yeah and i think sometimes with my family i struggle too in that like some people in of family and friends uh, you can say like, just don't talk to me right now. Like, give me ten seconds. I need yeah. to do whatever. And they get it. And they get it. So they back off. They're okay. No problem. They just get it, and they're able to support very positively. Others have a lot more trouble managing their own ego mm-hmm. um, in those moments, which is not necessarily unjustified. Yeah. Um, 
it always, <laughs> but um, can be more difficult because uh, if I set a limit because I need to set a hard limit, uh, it's not for fun. Uh, it's because I'm trying to work through something. And when you can't respect that, it's like, well, I warned you. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they were never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like, I'm one of those people that like, um, my prefrontal cortex isn't, does not wake up as fast as the rest of my brain. So mm. like, just don't talk to me for a while. Uh, I don't drink coffee, but it's that kind of thing. Like, don't talk to me before I finish my coffee, because, uh, no matter what you say, it's. I'm going to respond and it's going to sound angry. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just because in the morning my brain is angry. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of have to give me a few minutes to wake up and you can say hello, those kinds of things. But don't ask me questions about what I need to do for you all day because I'm going to start yelling. Um, it's one of those things. Morning brain. Yeah. But I, but like, and it's a I new can, term. Yeah, yeah. Morning brain. And, I can say that to some people and they get it and they're like, oh yeah, me too. And other people are like, well, that's ridiculous. You can't be like that. That's unreasonable. And it's like, well. You're right. However, it's the way it is. <laughs> exactly. I can't change it. So. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's 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 a true thing. And mm-hmm. I, um, I don't think I get like that, thankfully. Um, but I've certainly had situations where I have been like that. Mm. But it takes a lot. It's, it's one thing I have. It takes a lot to yeah. irritate me. All right, what else we have? Because, um, you know, three questions in and we're 48 minutes in. Because, yep. you know, I was worried about time. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, so what kind of things, activities, um, anything like that do you find really help when you're, you know, having a, a moment of... Difficulty. Difficulty mm-hmm. and Whether... emotional fluctuations or whatever. Yeah. Well, I find, um, I guess it kind of depends on what it is that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I really um derive a lot of help from regulating my um focus or like emotional motivation mm. um with music. This is good. Yeah. So like I find do it like if I like really don't want to clean the house or really have a lot of shit like menial shit to do around the house like that. Um, putting on some really good music that I can zone out and listen, focus on how, you know, the music, my brain can focus on the music rather than the task. Yeah. Those kinds of things really help. So like <clears throat> on the depression end of things, I think um yeah, setting yourself up for success, kind of creating environments like that or tricks like that to like sure. Um, give yourself a reward in another action or a way to make it accessible uh, so that you don't just perpetually put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. Um, I find um, board games. Like, I find hanging out with friends was something that is something that when I'm having a bad day, being isolated emotionally, um, sometimes... Uh, you need to take the time for yourself to work through things. Yes, um, But I find being around other people tends to downregulate a lot of anxiety I might have if I'm he- feeling a lot of, like, you know, this world is terrible kind of um, series of emotions and thoughts. You know, you have, like, right, new yeah, well, oh, my God, like, this must be what it feels um, like before. 
before uh, World Wars happen. Because this is what the news looks like when you go back and read it when you're doing historical analysis. <laughs> it's like stuff like this where you're like, holy shit. You know, um, those kinds of things. Yeah, when you think really big, that kind of stuff really can get me down if I am let it get control of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I tend to try to regulate myself through other people. Um, and sometimes that can be dangerous because you... Get the um, wrong people. Yeah. If you have the wrong people, it's very toxic. Yeah. Um, if you are unaware of what you're doing, it can be quite toxic to yourself because you can't find yourself able to do things for yourself anymore. Um, but because uh, you kind of... The, the, the That whole kind of codependence thing, I think, is really easy for somebody who's um someone like myself who's in a you know seeking stimulation from other people um it's easy to to come to expect that and demand that of other people yeah um more often than you probably should yeah and i think it's easy to establish that in relationships and then it's like "Mm, whose fault is that is it yours is it both of yours i'm a big believer in that uh nobody acts alone in anything that's not alone so, like, in any kind of relationship, friendship anybody has, that everything's a two-way street, right? Like, nobody acts alone. Yeah. Very rarely can you do something fully independently and those kinds of things that could be, like, the the culpable, you know, act that, yeah. you know, ripped something down or apart or something. Because even if you have that one person that made most of the decisions, the other people chose to follow that person. Exactly. And that's not the person in the decision-making role's fault either. No. And I've seen, I've had friends who've had relationships dissolve because of issues like that, where there was a dominant personality and everybody followed along with that person and then made it that person's fault when it didn't go well in the end for those people. Um, And they really vilified that friend of mine. And... I stayed friends with a lot of them. A lot of that's a lot of the under the water, the water under the bridge. A lot of, I'm speaking of one thing in particular I'm thinking of that happened between a group of friends in high school. Sure. Um, of course. So it's, you know, teenage drama too. <laughs> but um, I'm happy to present it to report we're all adults now. <laughs> However. Um, quote unquote adults. Quote unquote adults. Um, but yeah, those are things that I've, I've personally witnessed. And some of those people were dealing with their own emotional states at that time and maybe couldn't um, recognize the role that their own mental health was playing in the actual reality of what happened um, as well as they had people around them, you know, it seemed like everybody kind of started to follow in line and decide that the same thing had happened to them too uh, after the first person reacted quite dramatically ah the sheep yeah but you know we are who we are and we feel what we feel whether it's right or it's wrong from the outward perspective it is what it is and you live and die by what you do in this world you know you do something you can't take it back that is the reality of the world we live in so you just Mm -hmm. have to kind of accept that life is kind of shitty sometimes and move on um and that sometimes you make you are part of roles that deserve it. You, you make decisions that disservice yourself and then you have to own that. Mm-hmm. Um, Accountability. Yeah. And a lot of people don't ever, I think, learn that. Nope. Um, and I think that that can be a really, really challenging thing in, with mental health. 
That's not a question. Yes. Yeah. Because you know. if people don't see their own role in it. No. And in either improving or worsening it. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, it's just like brushing your teeth. If you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities. Probably. Cause and effect. Yeah. You might be that one person that doesn't. But <laughs> that's it. Like, if you're you, not that you, one person, you have a certain percentage, right? That's just the way it is. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't do A, B won't happen. Yeah. Just you know, it's it's just how things work. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I was gonna ask you how open you are about your depression, but I think we pretty much covered that. Because. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I find it's not it's not something I like to um hide uh, mostly because it's while it's not something that necessarily um as i was saying like i would say anxiety of the two is not something that i'm um having to deal with in a more um uh, significant way probably um on a day-to-day -day basis at this stage in my life um i really think it's important for people to to be open and I'm really, like, happy to see that some of that's changing. Mm -hmm. um, but mental health really isn't something to be afraid of, the way I think a lot of the brush has been tarred um, for a long time. Um, and I think we have to be careful not to over-pathologize or over-diagnose things as well. You know, well, like I was saying earlier, exactly. if you're having, if you're somebody who has was going through something right now um, that would be classified as a period of depression or another mental health condition or crisis. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be like, oh, well, I'm a depression. Here's my badge. I have depression. Here's my badge. Yeah. I'm now a champion of the disease, but... Sure, if you want to champion it, but don't, don't false say that you've yeah. been dealing with this all of your life. Right, and I think... Um, I think it's easy for people to kind of jump on the bandwagon for anything. Oh, That's how we all are. You know, we all, like, I think so many people, even myself, who, you know, poo-poos it a lot of the time. Like, we are all sheep in some respect. We all like the things degree. we like to some degree and we'll follow along if it's something that motivates us. And I think when people are really, I think it's easy to when you start to finally get some traction in treatment of something you're dealing with to, um, to kind of singing from the mountaintops and that kind of stuff too but we all, we also have to be careful of those things because um that can also really alienate people who are still isolated or um need something different from the crowd i guess mm -hmm. yeah i guess there's always i i like to be mindful that there's always always something that we might not consider oh well that's why one person dealing with something is not a good idea, but you get multiple people, there's more more likely that you'll get somebody most, who's gonna do something who's gonna say something that'll help. Most you, of the you situations, know? whereas like and then this is just a very vague sentence, but like if you throw one person at a problem, you may come up with a couple of solutions and cover all your bases, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But if you have three or four people looking at it, it's more likely that your chances of covering everything is increased it may not be significant but it'll be enough that it, it's closer to that 100 percent. you'll never hit 100 percent exactly it's the chaotic world that we live in mm -hmm. but people working together as a group 
always will have more success than one person working at it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, that's just life. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, not everybody thinks about such things. No, but I definitely think that can be applied elsewhere. But yeah, so, and it's, it's like any medication. Like, people get to a point where they look at any type of condition, be it a disease or, or whatnot, and just say, okay, you've got a cold, you've got a clue. Yeah. Antibiotics. Here's the appro- approved right? treatment. No, you know? that's not the best way to do it necessarily, right? No. Like, you don't just throw stuff at it because the, the body is supposed to work its way out of that. Yeah. Well, and I, for a really long time, um, chose never to medicate mm-hmm. for my mental health because I was a big believer in not having to rely on that because I didn't, because I know of the side effects and turns out I experienced them too, mm-hmm. as anticipated, um, at this stage in my life, getting, you know, some of those things outweigh um, you know yeah. the negatives that way. You know the, the benefits that way. The negatives. Yeah. So I've made those decisions, but I, for a long time, was very afraid of medicating, uh, for the reasons of getting washed out. For my emotional regulation became a little bit more different, uh, and it helps with the issues like motivation, but it doesn't necessarily help with everything. Yeah. You know, th- these are things that we have to all really take into consideration, be really honest with ourselves about in our treatment programs and that you have to have a good dialogue with your doctor um, about those things as well, because if they're telling you that it's going to solve all of their problems, they're also wrong. And, um, yep. you know, it's, you know, it's not a problem that you can put a bandaid on and then it will heal. No. This is something that, you know, it's much more something that you're going to be negotiating with for your whole life. It's, it's like having maintained. it's like having dry skin. You know, if you let it go way too long and you don't even do the little things like using moisturizer once a week, well, then you might crack and bleed and yep. it might get to a point where it, you know, causes other problems and, you know, snowballs into other areas of your health and this, that, and the other thing. And I have seen that with people's mental health where, you know, a lot of people don't realize that people with depression tend to have really bad dental health because of these motivational issues. They don't brush their teeth very often. Mm -hmm. And I definitely was very, very afraid uh, in my own experience going back to the dentist after a number of years of not having been through a combination of good reasons that I thought at the time, but really it boiled down to depression more than anything and not really having the motivation to make the appointment and get to the appointment. Um, And you make excuses in your life and other things got in my way. And it wasn't that I wasn't busy with other things, but I didn't put priorities on myself and taking care of myself and keeping myself healthy. Um, I let other people's, um determinants of success dictate my life um i.e are you doing really well in school um okay great but you're really unhealthy and unwell (laughs) um you know things like that like i get an a but i feel like crap right and well and then i got to a point where i couldn't get a's anymore because i was not well enough to get like crap yeah (laughs) and so yeah and so like and those it took it to get to that point for me to be able to get out of it sadly but yeah that was one of those things where like it was like three or four years after a certain point four or five years i hadn't been to the dentist and all of a sudden i got coverage again and i was like i really got to do this for myself Mm. and but i was scared shitless 
shitless because I'd seen other friends go through the exact same thing and turns out they had very very little good to report after their dental appointments some of them some of them like I've had friends who've had to deal with really hard looks in the mirror through those kinds of things I was pretty lucky I got like I obviously did okay enough you know but um yeah I yeah I've seen a real range in people and I'm also lucky to have people around me who are open with their mental health but I definitely think that we are all still learning. Oh, without a question. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know anybody who feels like they 100% have their mental health handled. Mm. Even people that I would say outwardly do, from my perspective. No, I don't think I they think, would say that of themselves. No, well, that's, that's, and I think most people, when they think they have a situation handled 100%, they don't. Coming back to what I just said, like, you can't have everything covered, Mm -hmm. right? We we live in this life. You can walk outside, get hit by a car. It's it's a chance. It's sure. It's one in whatever whatever thousand, but it's a chance, which, you know, you you have to understand. Yeah. Right? So. um, So we touched on a lot of stuff, because we're going to transition out of that stuff and Mm. get into the other parts, because... You know, it's in a more upbeat type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You've already talked about like a lot of the geeky things that you're into and what what you define as. But mm. what currently, because it certainly used to mean something prior. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the word geek means right now, or what does it mean to you? Well, I think um, in kind of growing to more of an appreciation for what the word means. Um, is that it's really somebody who has a real enthusiasm for something. And I think traditionally people who have extreme enthusiasms are seen as it's, 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 it's not cool. Right. (laughs) So uh, I think it kind of um, comes out of that, that like, it's not the approved like uh, um, sports geek. Right, because yeah. we don't we don't call sports fans. Well, geeks. I was just gonna say because you think about we a call lot them of fans, right? Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, fans actually is a great word for it. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, sure, we're fans, but you know, even though, mm-hmm. um, so the person who's into cars or, or you know, when we were growing up, mm-hmm. realistically, if you were called a geek, that was probably ninety five percent of the time derogatory. Yes. And so I really did not like to associate no. with that term. And there's been a real re- like reclaiming of that word. Yeah, that, that's our word now. Yeah. Even and though it can mean, like, okay, you're geeking up about that, you know, those cars. That's your exactly, sports or whatever. Exactly. But it's still ours. Yeah. And you I can't think, have it. <laughs> well, because I think the, la- the label geek, I think, still kind of traditionally refers to what the, like, derogatory term geek yeah, yeah, like how it was used derogatorily, i.e., like, oh, like you're, science, you're... math, like, yep. um, in you know, intelligence, um, you know, kind of more, um, in depth or, um, you know, literature or, or subgenre of something or this, that, and the other. Um, but for me, it really does boil down to that. Like, it's it's about an extreme or, um, collection of kind of like fandoms, and that was why that was Passion. something I felt like. For me, that's always kind of been the defining characteristic of, of geek. So, And that was something I never really saw myself as part of, um, except for in really, really kind of isolated contexts. 
uh, as a young person. So I really didn't associate associate with the term as such. Because um, the real only fandoms I was a part of was like strictly the Harry Potter series. And like... And even then that wasn't early. <laughs> no, no, and like the Spice Girls. You know what I mean? Like the, I really, I'm not somebody who throws themselves into any... She just lost points for the Spice Girls. <laughs> I was 10. I still love No, it's them. fine. I, okay. Hey, I listened to that album last week, and a lot of those songs still really hold up. But, um... I'm, I'm, I'll respectfully not comment. <laughs> but the, um... Way that I kind of, uh... Yeah, really kind of saw people being really extremely into, like, video games, or really extremely into sci-fi literature or television or mm-hmm. movies, or really extremely into those kind of things. I really wasn't, uh as a as a teen the things that i was into were categorically non-geeky so it was like you know jane austen type literature like classic victorian you know kind Mm. of literature um things like shakespeare and you know kind of absurdist theater and those kinds of things i went through that kind of a phase and like mm, new wave pop punk music from the late 80s like you know the brit pop brit like new wave brit movement um yeah, like, it was just stuff that nobody else was really into, so I couldn't lump myself into those categories. No. Or at least and, the, and even, that I knew, you even, know. Even the people that were in those categories didn't want to lump themselves into those categories at the time. At the time, because lumping is a bad thing. Now we don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, right. we. I'm proudly a geek from yes. then till now, yeah. even though, like, we we took the word. Right. Like, And, and thankfully, that's a situation that, that happens occasionally. Not too often, but like a word that in initially is given as a, a as a categorization of shunning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is the term I used when I wrote this up. Um, but then we're just like got to a point where okay, we're now adults. We still like what we like. We're gonna keep that word. Yeah, that's our word well, now. And and well, and you see that like, I mean, it's to no way the same degree, but you see that in uh, the use of the N-word, like in a... in those actually what I thought of initially. Derog- yeah, derogatory sense. Yep. People also call the word newfie uh, the other N-word. Again, I don't like to necessarily say it in that way because I don't want to take away from the experience that people deal with. Sure. What we use, the, what we refer to as typically the N-word has comes from, because that I think no. is, is something that I don't have a place to really speak to, being somebody no, who comes from don't. a really homogenous white culture in the North Atlantic. Yes. Um, so, I, you know, I think let's call a spade a spade. I can speak to the fact that um, where I come from, when people call us newfies, I don't like the fact that other people use that because they don't know how to use it appropriately and they don't know True. everything that can can be contained in the use of it and that it was used very derogatorily for mm-hmm. a really long time so geek i find while i don't know if it ever had the same kind of serious negative no, connotation by no means um it very much kind of treads those same lines yeah. and um yeah it's definitely been reclaimed by the community in a positive context yeah i find even like bro and, and i'm sure this <laughs> I'm sure you'll appreciate this being a, a fan of uh, language, uh, but I find words are just words. It's how they're used. Exactly. Right. And all the examples we just went through are the same thing. Um, the most common word, if you use it in the wrong context with the right emphasis, can be bad. Yeah. Whereas the only thing that has changed is that people are not using the word geek to be derogatory right. or to shun someone because 
it's not anymore because because no, it can't be used that way. We we we've gotten to an age where we replicated it. Right. More well, like somebody could use it that way, but it wouldn't have the same power. No, because anymore. it's not. Yeah, it's the power's not, been taken away from it. Exactly, and it's because the the original the pretty much all of the original people that followed into that classification are to the age where that's not going to bother them. Exactly. So there's a, so there's part and parcel of that too. Like, I, and I remember like uh, that was something I felt. I could recognize that I really liked about uh, one of the things about my high school. I went to Holy Heart and there were so many kids uh, and I, and I, and I, I've heard different things from different age cohorts, but mm-hmm. at least in my age cohort and around the time that I was there, um, there were just too many people to give a shit. So like every, yeah, there were lots of different clicks, but like yeah. nobody bothered anybody else. Cause like, what were you going to fight with 12 other clicks? and that's true because you get a certain group of people depending on the size of the, that group of people that can happen because you're still going to have a percentage of that mm. group be you know break up into their own sub subgroups mm-hmm. but the amount of people in those will vary from mm-hmm. the amount of people that are available yeah. yeah and and i think it's funny because i know that this wasn't everybody's story who went to holy heart at the same time i did but like that that attitude, at least amongst anybody I associated with, the just like not give a f about other people-ness, mm-hmm. really gave people a chance to blossom and and did give me a chance to become a geek about theater and become, my dad used to use this term because uh, he played, so I also come from a rugby family, but... Um, yeah, because that's common. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so my dad grew up... Here. Here, and he played rugby for 24 years. And he used to play, they used to call people who would jump around on a bunch of the different teams, rugby sluts. Because it was like they were playing rugby all the time. Because they were playing on this team, you know, their club team, this, that, the other night. And sometimes you'd have like the selects club team, but then maybe you also had the provincial team and this other thing. So he would call people like that rugby sluts. So one of my girlfriends and I, um, who did a lot of theater, we did a lot of theater together. She and I affectionately labeled ourselves theater sluts when we were in high school because we were in the drama club and we were in this that and this other thing and we were doing our own skits for this and we were in the film camp and we did Mm -hmm. the we were doing improv as well as the like regular class work which would sometimes require after school rehearsals so we just felt like we lived in there all the time and um but like loved it so really kind of started to own or take our own kind of ownership and blossom into those kind of nerdy dorky kids who yeah started to to own their geekdom yeah at that time um though that wasn't the word for it that we were comfortable using uh but now i'm happily i'm happy to use the word no because at the time it was what we were called in a different terms right so we avoid it we just but we still did what we did yeah but that's just what it that con that 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 content was yeah. classified under, so we we went with it. That's and, fine. Yeah, and I'm actually and I'm and I kind of grew up again and going to that high school at that time. Uh, the originators of the Blue Cafe website, our own local social media website, oh, yeah. which was the, the locals will remember that piece of nostalgia. Yeah, well, and nobody else, and nobody else. But it was at that time it was a huge platform for like writing our own poetry and mm, like yeah. all that shit. It was so much about like dumping our emotional status onto like out to the public, getting it out there. Yeah, and and it was the public, but it was still isolated enough to not feel like the world. The world. 
I quickly learned that all of that was publicly accessible when I was in university and we were mining different sites for research and internet. swiftly learned about internet, internet protecting myself on the internet. You, you get perspective on that when you have a thing. Like I, for this podcast, I have analytics and I have people from Japan that have listened to something, one right. of the episodes. So, and you know, on different places in the world. So, you know, it's certainly possible yeah. that I'll just get out there. And that, but that's the internet. That's the internet. So you That's never the world we're in. You never quite know. You you put things up and you can't quite put, take them down. No. Um, but yeah, you can't undo things. You can't exactly. you can't undo things in our world. Control Z doesn't work in real life. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. It does not. Sadly, <laughs> I wish sometimes we like you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with the word geek now. Yeah. At least it's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we've gone through a lot. So let me add, end on this, this one thing that I just, one of my fun stuff is when I walk home or to work, I think of random things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how I got George on last week or last time, not last week. It was a while. Uh, so this is just a fun little thing to end on a mm-hmm. uh, little thought, thought thing. Uh, which of these three things would you choose if you had the opportunity? Uh, Watching your favorite movie with one of the cast or crew. Oh, okay. Discussing your favorite book with its author. Oh, okay. Or playing your favorite board game with friends and the game creator. Ooh. See. <laughs> Thought experiment. Thought experiment. Um, oh, that's a tricky one. Because um, I am... I do my best work walking. Yeah, right? That is a good one. I really like... Um, I I think that I would I think I would like the author experience, but I wouldn't really because it's all about their specific intent with the writing and not my interpretation. Although that would be an interesting well, discussion. Yeah, that that would be where the discussion comes from. Yeah, but I feel like depending on the piece of work, it could really be. That's why I said favorite. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> but think, maybe that's the worst I choice. I think the board game might actually be my actual choice because I really am into board games and I really like certain kinds of collaborative board games too um but um yeah i'm really into heavy strategy board games so i think it would be really cool to play with a game creator to see Mm. like what level i'm playing at (laughs) because i really am competitive and intense sometimes Um, i I suck at most board games even though i'm competitive as well but like oh i um no i'm not bad like i mean everybody has their strengths and weaknesses but um I am not unknown to sit there and take 25 minutes to think out the whole trajectory of the game to see what my next best move might be. <laughs> I once, uh, yeah, spent a 25-minute turn in Terra Mystica calculating exactly how, if it would be worth me doing anything but cashing it. Anyway, it was a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this, this, this I, I don't know if, the first time I've seen this happen, I was watching um, a YouTube show with Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. uh, the board game show, and Tabletop. Tabletop. There's, mm-hmm. It has a name, and I remembered it. Yeah. Um, one of the first ones that really, I, I watched them all, but one of the first ones that really got me was watching um, Munchkin being played, mm. but with Steve Jackson. Right. 
and he destroyed people. Of course he did, because he was ruthless, as but, the game intended. Yeah, but the thing about that is I had no idea what it was. And mm. it, when he first, you know, equipped the, the tuba of whatever ridiculous name it had, I was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. I love this. This is great. Right, yeah. Uh, and I've played a number of games since and lost in one and didn't care because it was so much fun. That's awesome. Well, and I think in games like that, seeing somebody who created the game kind of play it to the way it's meant to be played yeah it would be really exciting because i find a lot of games i play like when you play with people who maybe haven't played that game before or if it's a game you haven't played before um you don't know how the flow is supposed to be till you've played it a couple of times yeah and even reading the instructions can be yes oh yes and uh there's that one thing that's very important that you missed yeah and for somebody who loves to read uh, as much as i do the irony is i have no patience for instructions uh when (laughs) it's something like a board game like i I mean if it's like a a i'm great with recipes (laughs) and and like directions at work no problem but um for something like a board game i guess i'm just too excited to play at that point so i I prefer if somebody can read out the instructions to me. Sure. Because um, otherwise I can't think about what I'm doing while I'm hearing it. And it's it's different because... It's very different, yeah. Because, yeah, you can follow a recipe or follow directions for work, but then you'll be like, okay, step A through step F. Mm-hmm. You do those, end up with this thing. Right. That's not how more game works. Because you're like, no. if this happens, you do this. If this happens, you do this. And this, it's it's with this big, massive, if yeah. this, then statement of ridiculousness that you just exactly, can't exactly. grasp. Which is why I love watching tabletop so I can see it being played instead of, and understand it that way. Yeah. Instead of just going in, okay, reading instructions. This is the thing that happens. This mm-hmm. is the thing that would. And then, no matter how many times you play it, you're just like, can I do this? Or the instructions do? So right, I have a, I have friend, I have a. Have you ever played Small World? I've seen it played on okay. tabletop. <laughs> Great game. I have friends who own it. Was playing. Um, actually, I have a copy now, uh, as I'm currently in possession of a copy uh, <laughs> that belongs to my friend who's in living in Korea, and I'm living in her old room. So technically, I could use it at any time. But anyway. <laughs> I digress. My point is, we were playing this game uh, with a group of friends, mm-hmm. and one of the characters uh, is the way that its ability is written is ambiguous. There's a one word, and the way that the instructions are written, it's ambiguous. It can be interpreted in su- as such that he has sequential turns afterwards, or only one sequential turn after the mm-hmm. initial thing that allows his ability to either. Um, take over like one character or any sequence in full. Yeah. And because of this, um, it effectively can nullify another character, which I happened to be at the time. So I was very staked in this not being the particular reading of the rule. I'm sure it's not. And it's, well, this is what we did. We went to the internet to find out because it got into heated debate. As one would expect. As one would expect. And it turns out this was not the first time this heated debate had been created. And that new versions of the game just do not contain this character. That's one. That's one way. Control Z! Yeah. So the game creators basically were like, sorry. Oops. <laughs> they went on the internet and said, uh, we're sorry. Uh, this was ambiguous. Other people have had this problem. We intended it as the way that I had read the rule. Mm. But you're perfectly justified in reading it as B. Um, though this was not what we intended. And uh, we're sorry we've taken the character out for, for future versions of the game. 
let's this is good a place to end if any i'm sure thank you very much for joining me you're very welcome this is a fun little chit chat back and forth yeah from australia to Mm -hmm. small world yeah because it's a small world it is a small world all right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm working on getting other people to join in. Uh, who knows? Um, hey, if I get enough people, I may do this more often. Currently, my month thing. But my game is to at least try to get at least once a month. See what happens. Uh, again, you can find me on Facebook, Melancholy Geek. Well, pretty easy to find. Uh, MelancholyGeek.com is my address. It kind of goes to the Facebook page. And I figured out how to sort up the email, so feel free to mail me, uh, email me at mail at melancholygeek.com. And I'm melancholy underscore geek on Twitter and all that fun stuff. If you have any questions, have some thoughts on future episodes, or if you're in a situation like myself or Bridget, and maybe you would like to uh, put your experience out there, I'd be happy to share it with what little small world that is listening to this. All right. Have a great month. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.